When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Ken Epstein, and this is Daily Thrones, a quick look at the world of ice and fire. And I was over on our friend's website over at Watchers on the Wall. Go over there and read if you have a chance. Always some good Game of Thrones discussion, articles, news, and polls. They're doing their uh, awards for Season 7. And uh, today they posted the best death scene, the preliminary round. This is determining who will maybe move on in terms of the nominees. And they listed all the deaths. And here's the choices. Let's see what they got going on here. Benjamin Stark returns to save Jon Snow, falls into a horde of whites. Winter comes for House Frey with a little help from Arya Stark and some poison, the first scene of the season. Nymeria and Obara Sand are killed with their own weapons against Euron Greyjoy. Elena Tyrell downs her wine and sends a final message to the Lannisters. Littlefinger finally gets what's coming to him and his throat is slip. Randall and Dickon Tarly burnt by Dragonfire, executed by Danny. Uh, after taking on an undead snow bear, Thoros Amir succumbs to the cold. Tyene Sand is poisoned by Cersei as Tyene's mother, Elaria, is locked away with her forever. Viserion the dragon is felled by the Night King, a Dothraki warrior. Gets a taste of the scorpion thanks to Bronn. And a white walker and his group of whites are no match for dragon glass and Valyrian steel as Jon Snow's Snow Team 6 takes them out. That's their choices here. I'm going to vote, and I want to ask you guys. Uh, it's uh, This is unofficial cross-promotion with Watchers of the Wall. No one's over there to, uh, telling me to do this. I'm just reading the stuff today, and I thought it was an interesting discussion. We talk a lot about Season 7. didn't have the big, giant, shocking deaths, but it had some good deaths. I, without a doubt, think the best death of, of the season, and one of the best in all the show was... The Queen of Thorns, Elena Tyrell's death, just the way it was so of her character, she went out the way I would want that character to go out, very true to herself, getting the final word, accepting her death, not wanting to do it, but this is the way to go. Jamie was defeated even in this moment, but also had a little bit of dignity, dignity to him, so the, the scene itself... Uh, you know, kind of highlighted and, and show, showed a little bit of Jamie's changed character. I don't think seven seasons prior he would have done that, let her go out uh, in, a, in a more dignified way. It had a lot of punch, so that gets my vote. But looking back, you know, there's some good deaths and some big deaths. Baelish is probably the biggest in terms of a main character going that we kind of saw. The Randall and Dickon Tarly death was brutal, one of the more brutal ones on the show, shot so well. Uh, and, and I've still, uh, those Tarleys, man, they stood t t tall and proud, but I, I don't think they need to. I think it could have gone a different way. And there's something about it, even though we don't see it, but Tyene Sand uh, being poisoned by Cersei, Alaria Sand being told you're going to be locked away and watch her die and wither away in front of you. We'll keep you alive. That that was one of those moments that, again, we didn't see it, but in terms of death scenes, in term, terms of end of character stories, might be one of the more brutal ones and one of Cersei's, dare I say, finest quotation marks moments. Especially when she admits uh, she stays up a lot thinking about ways to kill people. It shows there. There were some good scenes. I actually liked the way Benjamin Stark went out. 
I know a lot of people maybe didn't like it or thought it was a fan service moment. Why bring him back for that? But I, I, I really do contend if you if you watch that Benjamin Stark death scene and then that, that moment that he and Jon Snow have, John doesn't have time to con- reconnect to him. John, John just has to go. If you go back to the last time they talked to each other in season one, now season one has even more weight when you really put it all together and put the pieces of the puzzle together. So uh, for that alone, Benjamin Stark's death was one of the better ones for me. But what do you guys think? Should there have been more shocking deaths? What is your favorite death, the best death scene of season seven? And head over to Watchers on the Wall. Tell them Daily Throne sent you and vote. I'll keep you updated on the winner. And maybe uh, maybe we can uh, do another interview with Sue over there who uh, holds down the fort. The Lord Commander of the Watchers of the Wall website. All right, we got some calls coming up here on Daily Thrones. Let's get to it. Hi, Ken. You were talking about the Dance of Dragons TV show being potentially one of the spinoffs. And I recently read the, the Princess and the Queen, which basically condenses the whole story into like some 60 pages. And while reading it, I was thinking, if they really spread this out, if they have all the... Because there are lots of big conflicts throughout it, that if they relegate every season, have them be 10 episodes, and just like one huge event, like the Storm of the Dragon Pit or the Battle of Tumbleton, to one season, I was thinking that could maybe be a way that they could manage it on a budget sense because there are so many grand things that happen. But if they were to really spread it out and add a lot of characters, because when you think about it, if the story of Game of Thrones were written in a history book, we probably wouldn't have a lot of the Arya stuff or all the minor characters we have there, so that could be one way they could do it. Hi, Ken. Just thinking about something a little different as far as Game of Thrones goes. A lot of people talk about um, what theories they like the most and what you know what theory could be most likely. I'm wondering what theories have you and the audience of Daily Thrones heard that you think are awesome but completely impossible or completely unlikely? Because Game of Thrones has so many theories. You know, the for me, the one that comes to mind is there's a a really long shot theory that definitely is not real or true about Jacques and Nagar being really Rhaegar Targaryen. I absolutely adore that theory, and if it was written into the books or show, that would have been great. But it, I feel like it's just never going to happen. So that, that's my pick, so I'd love to know what yours is, Ken, and what everybody else's is. What theory have you heard that you love, but you don't think it'll ever come true? Thanks for taking the call, and have a great day. All right, guys, let's talk theories on Game of Thrones. That's part of the fun of being a fan, and Sir Thomas the Tall has a great call about theories... We love, but don't see happening. Oh, the theories in Game of Thrones do get weird. They get deep. They go far-reaching. And some of them I roll my eyes at. Some of them I don't really like, and I really hope they don't come true. I hope that Bran Stark is Bran Stark. And that he is not uh, the Night King. That he's not a time traveler. That he doesn't try to defeat himself. That he's not anything. I just hope he's Bran Stark. He's a great seer. He's a three-eyed raven. That's that's where it ends. That, that's weird enough. I don't need Bran to travel in time. But it's interesting. I love hearing these theories. So Thomas's idea of, hey, what do you love? But don't see happening. I got two. First one, pretty simple. Varys is a merman. Varys is a sea creature. Varys 
is the king of the mermaids. Yeah, like with any good theory, you can start to string some stuff together and be like, yeah, that's plausible. And I think it's completely silly. I don't want to see this happen in the show, but I also kind of like this theory. It's one of the far out theories that I'm like, that's silly. Let me read about it. That's not so silly. That would be interesting. That'd be different. Now, if it was actually happened, I'd probably pound my fist on a desk and be like, no, that's not true. He's not a mermaid. I, I, I really, if I'm putting money down, he is he is not. Um, there's a lot of stuff there. Uh, Brand warning of fish-like creatures called squishers. Walk on land, eat the flesh of humans. Tyrion mentions merlins. Um, you know, and you, you know, Tyrion talks about grumpkins and snarks, and those don't exist either, right? Right? Well, a lot of things north of the wall, a lot of legends might be true. So that one's interesting. I don't see it happening. I love it in a weird kind of way. But one that I actually, when I first read about it and first kind of thought about it and put it together, I, I'm on board for it. And I don't think it's going to happen, but this is my choice. And that is the Daenerys is a time traveler. And again, I don't like the time travel stuff. I mean, Bran going back into the mind of Hodor, hold the door, hold the door, that's even something I'm like, it stretches, it stretches my, my uh, love of the show. It's, it's, it, was, it was an awesome moment, don't get me wrong, but I was like, okay, okay Bran's affecting, okay, Ned Stark can hear him at the Tower of Joy. All right, I'm going to be on board with this. Normally I wouldn't. So I say that to say Daenerys is a time traveler who goes back to warn herself in disguise. And this, of course, the disguise would be Quaith. Quaith is a little bit more prominent in the books, a little bit more direct in her communication with Daenerys, which I think fuels this theory more. But even on the show, just in the in the weird, weird moments you get her wearing that uh, lacquered covered mask uh, the same kind of Ashai symbols that, uh, you know, Melisandre has, the jewel shape, all that stuff. Really interacts with Jorah uh, more than anything. And the fact that she just knows that Jorah loves him. But also, you know, the prophetic moment where she, when Jorah walks up to her later on, when she look, they're looking for the dragons. And um, Quaith straight out warns Jorah. She's given the man the protection from uh you know the the uh, grayscale saying you can't pass through the the doom of valeria w- without protection jorah needed to heed that advice so quaith has something going on and the idea that she would have come back to warn herself if it's daenerys is something that i've always loved i don't see it happening i don't think it's real but it's fascinating when you dig into it. To go north, you must go south. To reach the west, you must go east. To think that Danny could be warning herself through these visions and using this kind of uh, kind of weird way uh, of getting word back to herself, like a weird Marty McFly, Doc Brown situation. I'm actually on board. Is Quaith Danny from the future? Probably not. But I do love that theory. What are some of yours? Let me know here on Daily Thrones. Let's talk about theories you love that you just don't see happening. And Sir Thomas, great call. Great answer as well from you. Hey, Ken. It's Vic. I recently bought tickets to the Game of Thrones live experience with Ramin Jawadi. And I'm pretty stoked about it. I love the music in the show. So I can't wait to hear it live. 
So I was wondering if you or anyone in the Daily Thrones community has ever gone to this concert before, and if so, what'd you think? And as a follow-up, what are some of your favorite musical themes from the show? Thanks so much. Vic calling in with some tickets. He's got some tickets to see the GOT live experience some music. Raman Jawadi uh, is a master at this, and I, I want to know, too. I have not seen it. I'll admit this. I admit this with some shame. Uh, prior to season seven, I actually had the chance to go see them, uh, I think, at the forum, see the live GOT experience. I had a couple tickets. They were given to me. <sighs> Turned him down. I couldn't go. I just couldn't pull it off schedule. It just couldn't happen. I do regret it. I do regret it. It went to good uh, good hands, though. Dennis Zen, my collider, uh, Thrones Talk co-host, he was able to go take his girlfriend, had a great time. I know uh, Thrones Talk co-host Rachel Cushing seen the event. I haven't had a chance to experience it. So, guys, help me out. Help Vic out. Who has gone to the live experience? Talk about it. Share here on Daily Thrones. I want to hear and talk about your favorite moments and, therefore, your favorite songs. As far as my favorite music and themes, Vic asks, well, Dracarys is still individually my favorite piece of music, my favorite bit of the score. But Reigns of Castamere, I'm telling you, I, 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 that song could play in every episode and I'd be fine. It's almost a shame that the Lannisters seem to be on their way out or aren't what they, want, what they once were because the Reigns of Castamere, the music, any kind of song. Uh, I have so many versions on my iTunes here of actual, the actual songs uh, performed. I, I love it all. I absolutely love it all. The national version is amazing. It's my favorite. Uh, it is, uh, every time I hear it, I sing along when I first, when it first really, cause the, the, the Reigns of Castamere course is really present throughout the series, especially for a season. I mean, Tyrion seems to, when you go back and watch, seems to be whistling it more than you really noticed the first time around when you're watching the series, uh, unless you're a really, really a keen observer. Um, but I, I love it. And when, when it first really plays when the song uh first plays in the credits it just uh and that's of course the nationals version it just it 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 like it affected me and there's something about it tywin lannister is the bad guy i get it tywin we're not supposed to root for tywin but there's something in that song and something in the story of the of the lannisters the reigns of castamere i i kind of respect it i kind of get it I get you, Tywin Lannister. I get what you're putting down. I'm picking up what you're putting down, Tywin. And that's what the song Reigns of Castamere does for me. Guys, that's it for the day. Let me know. Uh, pitch, uh, pitch your favorite death scene in Season 7. Answer the questions we got today. Your favorite music. Pitch uh, Dance of Dragons. Sander had a great call. Pitching his Dance of Dragons TV show, what it might be. Keep that stuff coming. You guys are the best here on Daily Thrones. And go over to Watchers of the Wall and vote in that best death scene poll. Let's get the... Uh Let's go get those votes in for Elena, right? I, I'm not going to campaign. You, you vote. You vote with your heart. That's it for now. Don't forget the podcast. This is actually the 100th episode of the Daily Thrones podcast. Uh, I want to thank you guys if you're listening on the podcast and in podcast form. Spread the word. Let's do it here on Daily Thrones. We'll see you tomorrow.